good. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, I wonder, if, um, first of all, we always start off with a prayer request. If anybody has something in the heart, I, I just want to give a little testimony too from my brother Tilki over there. Uh, he um, he was getting these eye drops, and it was for chemo in his eye. And and as we've been lifting up, and I want to pray with you today too, and I want to anoint you with oil. Uh, but he um, he had gotten his eye cut on to remove the some cancer that they found there, and there's a little bit still there so they want to remove it with chemo drops yeah, correct me if i'm saying anything wrong and um they told him that those chemo drops would probably really irritate you and you probably wouldn't be able to come to church well here he is today praise the lord and god made it where he's not irritating him at all and he's doing well and so we're so thankful to have uh, the family here today so what a blessing hallelujah thank you lord and you, if you would please uh, continue to keep tookie in prayer we believe in God for a complete healing there and that everything is well. Praise the Lord. Anybody else have a request? Sister Linda. Well, keep our friend Linda Smith in prayer. She had a stimulator put in her back for the pain. And we believe, well, it got infected, mm. so they had to remove it. And it can't still, that happened last week, and it still can't grow the Still got that infection in there, and you're afraid it's going to go to her spine. Mm. Yeah, they have to keep it open in order not to get the infection, yeah. Go back to either tomorrow or Tuesday, and hopefully they might be able to close it if it's not okay. infected. Praise the Lord. Amen. Her name is Linda. Her name is Linda. So we want to lift up Linda, that the Lord would touch her and touch her, uh, and make and also touch her if her soul is not right, and the Lord's trying to do something there, that he would also awaken that. Praise the Lord. Any, any other request? Any other prayer request? Everybody doing good? Hello, Christian. Welcome, son. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, is that all? Brother John in prayer. Brother John? Okay. What's uh, up with Brother John? That's right, Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan. Jonathan actually called me um, yesterday, and he said, man, he said, they want me to come to, this, um, to preach at this church. And he says, I, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I know, I'm not really a part of that church and, I'm, you know, and all this. And I said, brother, use the opportunity. Preach to them like they're all going to die that night. Because <laughs> you, you don't know, right, Kevin? You don't know if they're going to have the next day. So you got to preach like it's the last time you're going to see them. That's right. Amen, brother. So that's the way we minister and, and uh, we evangelize is that uh, we don't know if they have another day. So we're going to preach to them like it's the last time they, and the last day they have. So he was going to go this morning. He was, was going to go preach over there and, and probably get thrown at. Uh, Raven, uh, Linda Ravenhill West, uh, West, I think, once said, he says, uh, I, get, I get invited to a lot of churches to preach once. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> get that one door, baby. That's all, that's all you need, huh, Kevin? Plant that seed. That's it, brother. Praise the Lord. So, um, well, let's, uh, is there any other requests? Yeah, well, I want to keep Chelsea. She called, she was going to come to church. Yeah. She has to vomit in. Okay, okay. We'll lift the Shelby up. Okay. Shelby and Jonathan and Linda. Anyone else? Your knees bothering you, Sister Linda? Guys, I, I just want you to intercede when we go into prayer for Sister Linda. So we got two Lindas to pray for today. Uh, she has really suffered with her feet and with her knees, and we just want the Lord to touch that. Yes. And, and it's an easy thing for the Lord to do. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, in Psalms 103, uh, who forgives all of our iniquities and who heals all of our diseases. So we're just going to trust God uh, with her, and we also want to anoint you with oil uh, before tonight, too. Um, uh, so let's, let's go to prayers if there's no other requests. Um, 
I want to also thank, uh, brother, what's your first name again? Stephen's with us for the first time. Stephen, we want to welcome you uh, with us today. And, and you're an old timer now since you, this is your second time. So it's good to have you back again too, Ed. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just go, uh, go before the throne of grace, God. Lord, you say we can come boldly before your throne of grace because that curtain that separated us from the Holy of Holies has been rent, God. And we're able to come and, and approach you, Lord Jesus, with these requests that we have this morning. Lord, you said we have not because we ask not. Well, we ask this morning, Lord. And you said, whatsoever we ask, because we keep your commandments, we will have what we ask of in 1 John, Lord Jesus. And that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Lord, we just lift up uh, that, that, that lady Linda. Lord, we don't, a lot of us don't know her. Sister Linda and, and Tookie know her. And Lord, I just lift her up, God, that you would cause a miracle and that, her, that she would have a healing in her body, Father. And that uh, we would, as we walk in an expectancy, Lord Jesus, we'll hear good news concerning her. But mostly, Lord Jesus, I don't know where she's at spiritually. And so, Lord, the main thing is, is that her soul is right with you, Lord God. And that's where we lift up even to the utmost, Lord Jesus, that you'll use this or use whatever, God, to awaken her to, to stop sinning and to walk in righteousness and holiness and make it to heaven, Lord God, that she'll be healed of her body and that she'll have eternal life. And Lord Jesus, I lift up my sister Linda here that's with us this morning, God. Lord, you said to ask and to keep on asking, God. Uh, Lord, and I lift, her, lift my sister up, God. You said you bore our pains and you carried our sorrows and by your stripes were healed. I ask yeah. you to touch her knee, to touch her foot, Lord God. Yeah. Lord Jesus, what you said because of the the importunity of the one that knocked at that door at midnight to get that bread that he received it, Lord. We continue to knock, Lord Jesus, for our sister Linda, God. Lord, that you'd heal her, Lord Jesus. Lord God, do that, do that for us, Lord. We ask you in Jesus Christ's name, Lord. And Lord, we lift up Jonathan this morning, Father, as he woke up with a little bit of sickness, God. What a great man of God, a great brother. And Lord, we just ask that, uh, that you touch his body, Father. Yeah. Raise him up, cause him to feel better this morning, God. Even at this moment, Lord Jesus, that you would do it, God. Lord, we know you here. We've seen it over and over again, God. And we're thankful for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord God. For what? And Lord, we lift up Shelby to you, Lord Jesus, as she was sick this morning. Do a work in her, Father. Do a miracle in her, God. Help her to be okay. She's been through a lot of things lately, God, of, of, of her car and different things that's happened to her, Lord Jesus. Restore her, God, and cause her to walk uprightly in holiness with you, Jesus, and be healed and walk in divine health, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus. You hear our prayers. We give you thanks, Lord, and expectancy, God, as we made our request be made known, God. We thank you with great thanksgiving, Father, for what you do in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, body. Wonder if somebody's got something on their heart this morning. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Anybody have anything particular they want to discuss? Maybe they have a revelation. Maybe they have a question in the scriptures. And uh, is that the, if, if that's not the Lord calling, hang that up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead, Ben. Okay, I know Ben's got, got something there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we've talked about that somewhat before, and um, it's extremely important. Um, the body of Christ is made up of many members, but the body of Christ, the scripture says that he's coming back in Ephesians chapter 5 for a church that's holy. Go, let's turn to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 
It's talking about a husband and wife relationship, but he relates that to, ch to the church in, uh, in Christ also. So it relates the same way, and we'll read part of the scripture here. Uh, and it says, uh, verse 25, husbands, love your wives. And I love my wife, thank God. And uh, even as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the word of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So that's the church that Christ is coming back for. A lot of people will call themselves a church, but really they're not a church at all. They're more of a, a gathered group. The church, the ecclesia, is made up of those that are without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Now, the word blemish comes from the same word as blameless. Now, if, if I sinned, you, could, you would have blame on me. You would be able to blame me for that sin. But if I don't sin, what do you say? He's without blame. I can't find anything in him. He's clean. He's walking in the righteousness of God. So this is the church that Christ is com coming for. And so to, for someone to say, well, I'm a member of the church, but they're not walking in holiness, they're not, they're not a member of the church. Christ makes that very clear through Paul, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians that we talk about a lot of times in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And um, very important scripture there because you can't be received by God unless you do this. That's the importance of it. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Obedience, the Bible says, is necessary for salvation. The scripture says in Hebrews 5, 9, that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all that obey him. So you see, obedience is necessary to have salvation. And the, and the way to have salvation, it mu you must have a place, a time in your life and where you walk in where you have godly sorrow. Now, godly sorrow means a brokenness. The Bible says in Psalms 103 that a, a, a humble and contrite spirit, the Lord will in no wise cast out. As a matter of fact, the Lord doesn't hear the prayer of a sinner. We find that in John chapter 9, and we also find it in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. He says, the arm, the arm of the Lord is not short that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your sin has separated between you and your God, and your sin hath hid his face from you, that he will not hear your prayer. So it's very important, if you want the Lord to hear your prayer, that you walk in him. Now this is the thing. There's one prayer that the Lord will hear from a sinner. And that is the prayer of repentance. That is the prayer of godly sorrow. Where you're broken and you're crying out to God. This is so important. You have to really get this down. Most of the church world today that considers themselves church-centric are not preaching that. They're preaching that salvation is something, it's a free gift that you just come forward and you receive. And that no repentance necessary. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3 and also in Luke 13, 5, he said, and let, he said, repent or you shall likewise perish. Now, what is repentance? The godly sorrow is first that leads to repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, 10 says. So that godly sorrow, that brokenness, will do what? When you're really sorry about something, what do you do? You stop doing it, right? If you're really sorry about it. If you really have, you know, see something, for instance, you watch it on TV. So suppose you were a smoker and you watched it on TV and it says, and maybe it said, well, smoking is hazardous to your health. If you smoke, you're going to, you know, it can cause death. 
And you think, why, man? That, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I've been smoking all these years. A lot of people are very sorry they smoked all these years. And, they, and, and they're breathing, out of, breathing oxygen now because they can't breathe or they got emphysema or, or all these things. And, and it affected them. So say that person looks at that and he says, wow, I, I know people that's dying from smoking and all that. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to smoke anymore. That's it. I'm not going to smoke anymore. What happened? What is that that took place in that person's heart? With that person's heart, he had a change of mind, which caused the change of heart. Because he said, I'm not going to do it anymore. That's what repentance is. When you're really broken before God, and you really broke, the Bible says that godly sorrow, that sorrow that you did that, leads to a place of repentance that you're saying, I'm not going to do it again. I'm done with it. Repentance is a departure from sin. He departs from it where he's living for God now. I'm not going to live in sin anymore. I'm not going to sin anymore. You, you made a choice. People say, well, I just can't stop sinning. You made a choice to start sinning. You can make a choice to stop sinning. Amen. Amen. That's why the scripture says in James chapter 4, cleanse your hearts, you sinners. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So he says, this is something that you do. How do you cleanse it? By repentance. You understand? It's pretty simple. You change your mind. You change the way your life. And you, because of repentance, you said, man, I'm really sorry. Because if you really saw you did something, guess what? You don't want to do it anymore. And you say, okay, that's going to stop. Okay, I did those drugs before. It's ruining my life. It ruined my family's life. It ruined my finances. It took everything away. It's a losing proposition. I'm going to have a change of, of, of heart. I'm never going to do that again. But you know what? You know what? If you go back and you say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. But I'm going to still hang out with my old buddies that do it. I'm going to still, uh, you know, go, go around people that do it. And I'm going to still uh, be, be around that. And I'm going to keep on the same pattern as I was before. You know what? Unless the pattern of your life changes, you're going to end up back in the same hole. you got to come out, the Lord says, from that type of living. you got to come out from being around those kind of people. Because the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 6 that we're going to now, he says here, he says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What does that mean? That means you don't yoke up with them. A person, well, what, what is an unbeliever? Somebody that's not walking, somebody that's not walking sin free. They walk in, in whatever they want to do. You see, before we, we, we fulfilled the passions of our flesh. We did what we wanted to do. If our bodies wanted something, we gave it what it wanted. If you wanted to get high, we'd get high. If you wanted to have sex, you'd have sex. If you wanted to get mad, you'd cuss, you cussed. You just did whatever you wanted to do. But see, now the Lord's calling you, and hopefully he's calling you, to walk in holiness in him. To say, you know what? That got me nowhere. That got me just a mess. I'm not getting anywhere. I don't have peace. I don't have joy. I'm angry all the time. I don't have, I've lost, I lost my family. I did all that. Sin costs tremendously, doesn't it, Kevin? We all know that there's a way, the wages of sin is death and it costs. Nobody gets away with anything. Galatians 6 says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. In other words, it's coming back on you. You know, when you're walking in Christ, yeah, God's watching you back. But when you, when you take off on your own, you're on your own. And it's not a good place to be. But a godly soul leads to that place where you say, that's it. I'm not doing it. This is part of it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we talk about that often. Why do we talk about it often? Because it's very important. And why else? Because we see so many people want to continue on that path and not come out of it. Brother West, go ahead. Good morning.
and pure. You see it within um, Paul and Peter and Jude. Um, specifically, what I can see is, um, like you're saying out of First Corinthians chapter six, you know, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and then I will receive you. So, if you're still amongst those that are just thinking that sin's okay, and you and you don't come out from the those people and just continue to live unholy or touch the unclean thing, then then God won't receive you. So, um, in Second Peter chapter two. Well, first off, Paul says, uh, I fear after my departure, savage wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. And so Acts he 20. said he cried night and day with tears, you know, because he knew that that was going to happen. And all these warnings that, of false teachers and people that would come and twist and contort the message, you know, that was handed down from Jesus Christ to the apostles, to the rest of the believers... Uh, they knew that it was going to be twisted and contorted to something other than just what it really was, holiness, righteousness. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, um, it says, um, verse 1, that, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly, so it's not, it's not, it's not openly, it, it's, it's secretly, they'll bring in destruct, destruct, destructive heresies even denying the Lord that bought them to bring upon themselves swift, swift destruction, and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Mm, evil spoken this, is of, how, yeah. this is how they will do it. It says, verse 3, by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. So covetousness, just to, to get an understanding of what that is, is it's your by your own desire. They're going to bait you by telling you that you can serve God by serving yourself. That's mm. as simple as it gets. You know, do what you want, live how you want, get what you want in life, and label it God. I mean, that's just as simple as it can get, and and that's what these ministries are saying. It's, it's not about losing your life, like Jesus says. Unless one takes up their cross and loses their life, they can, you know, they cannot have life. You have to lose your life in order to find life, and to find life means that you're that you're alive. Old things have passed away; all things have become new. You're a Christian. But go down to verse ten. He talks about these false teachers that that are secretly bringing in their destructive messages. It says, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. And despise the third authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. So that word presumptuous kind of goes along with what you're saying, Don. They're presumptuous. They think that when someone presumes something, they think that, you know, that God is not going to judge them in their sinful way. So they're presuming, they're daring. They're like a daredevil. They're like an evil Knievel in the things of God. And they're always pressing the edge of like, God's not going to judge me. God doesn't see it. And, and, and you see this concept throughout the entire New Testament as if, and Jesus addresses it. Do you think that there, you know, these people, of uh, the Galileans, were worse sinners than, than you? Unless you repent in Luke chapter 13, you will likewise perish. And so that's what Peter does here in Second Peter. Jude does the same thing. Paul does it through his epistles. And it's really to show you 
you can't you can't be presuming that you're going to be okay when you stand before God and uh, when you're living in sin. And that's why we speak against sin so often because it's like people don't realize this message of contending against lawlessness or a sinful life is the message that that was handed down to the early church to Amen. contend against. Amen. That's, that's mm -hmm. what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen Thank you, brother. Thank you, Wes. You know, you're, you're right. We, we speak a lot about your life and my life and how we live because that's so important. See, a lot of people may think in their mind, well, I want to have my fun now. I want to live it up. And then later on down the road, then maybe I'll get this right. Well, the Lord gives a warning about that. He said to those who do that, he said he's going to come like a thief in the night. What is, how does a thief in the night come? He comes when you least expect him to. And I don't want you to be caught unaware. And all of a sudden, your life has come to an end. And you before the throne of God, you before the judgment of God, and you without words because you say, man, why didn't somebody else tell me? I'm telling you right now. And I, I mentioned earlier, and it's so true. How many of you are in here today say, I know I'm going to live until tomorrow? Don't you put that hand up, Larry. <laughs> Nobody in this room knows if they're going to live until tomorrow. But I can assure you one thing, you have right now, this minute. So while you have right now, I want to warn you that this is all you have. This is all the time you have left is the time that you have right now. Some people may say, well, you know, when you share with people, you need to get to be their friend first, or you need to be real gentle and real kind. Don't just say anything to offend them. I don't find that in the Word. You know what I find? You need to warn them. Sometimes you need to tell them where they're at. Man, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. I say, oh, that's harsh, brother. No, it's loving. Because I, I want to wake the person up enough to, and love him enough to say, man, you got to get it right right now. You don't have till tomorrow. All you got is right now. It's an urgency. You don't have tomorrow. Only God you have right now, and I'm going to plead with you, and I'm going to say whatever it says in the Word to say, man, your heart is... You got stuff coming out of your mouth? Your heart's not right with God. Because out of the abundance of the, heart, of, the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if something comes out of your mouth when you get upset and you say a curse word or something, guess what? You need to tell yourself, that's my heart. That's coming from my heart. My heart's not right with God. You see, because the scripture says that. Say he that doesn't refrain his tongue, his, his religion or his Christianity is worthless. 
He can say he's a Christian all day. He can say all this stuff. And I talk to people all the time. And they are, a lot of people are convinced they're going to heaven and they're going straight to hell. You know, the hardest person to convince that, they, that, that, they're, not, that they're not going to make it is people that think they are. Just because they think they are. We got one authority. This word. Amen. This word. Let me tell you something too while I'm on that. I really don't want you to trust me. I don't want you to Trust what I say is the truth. I want you to dig in there and I want you to see this is the truth. Some people you hear say, well, you know, I've been in this for 40 years and, and uh, I know Greek and Hebrew. Man, a red sign, red light goes up to me when they start that. You know why? Because it makes me feel like what they're doing is they're trying to get you to have confidence in them. They want to be your pope. They want to be your man. They want to be... What today's definition of pastor is somebody that's like a hierarchy and, and a reverend and respectful. Really? If I'm, a, if I'm, a, I'm a pastor, I'm your servant. I'm serving you. You're not, you, yeah, we serve one another, but I'm really serving you. That's what I'm here for. So I want to warn you. Don't you trust somebody else for your salvation. Don't you trust what they say. And don't you even trust what I say unless you look it up in the Word and you see it's there. Because the word of God is the authority. I'm not the authority. The word of God, all I am is a messenger. But you need to pay attention to the words. You need to search it out for yourself. Isn't it important enough that you search the word out for yourself? You're talking about eternal life. We're not talking about a job application to go to work at a plant or somewhere. We're talking about eternal life. And I see people pick up novels, watch TV, do all this other stuff, and they never pick the word of God up. Stop trusting somebody else. Live what this word says. Jesus said this when he was tempted of the devil. The devil told me he hadn't eaten for 40 days. You can imagine he hadn't eaten for 40 days. You get a little hungry, right? He says there's a stone on the ground. He sees the stone. The devil says to him, hey, you just, if, you're the, if, you're, if you're the son of God, if you're a Christian, if you're the son of God, turn that stone into bread and eat it. Jesus could have thought in himself, said, well, he's hungry, right? What's wrong with just turning a stone into bread? He's God. But Jesus said what? Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every yeah. word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh, Hallelujah. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You don't follow this thing. You don't work, walk after the flesh. Because if you walk after this thing, you're going to die. You're going to suffer in hell. You're going to hell. Absolutely. That's straightforward. But if you, through the Spirit, stop this thing from doing what it wants, then you shall live. There's things that are permissible and not permissible for the flesh. I have to repeat it. Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he said this. He said, I keep under my body. I bring it under subjection. Hallelujah. Lest by any means after I preach to others, I myself be a cast away. What does that mean? He said, my body's not telling me what to do. I'm telling my body what to do. Amen. Before you lived and your body told you what to do. Now in Christ, you tell your body, no, that's not permissible. You're not doing that. I'm living for God. Oh, Who's in who, who are you letting take, cap take you captive? God gave you your will. He gave you your choice. Before you felt like, man, I feel like getting high. I'm getting high. Man, that person said that, tell them a lie. Man, I'm mad, I cuss. Just follow it. Everything comes in your mind.
But look at this. Go to, go to Ephesians. We'll come back to 2 Corinthians. Look at Ephesians. Chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. He says this. He was speaking to people here that were believers that were walking without sin. Listen to it clearly. He said, you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in your trespasses and your sins. You know what you are when you're walking in sin? You're dead. You're a dead man while you live. You have no life in you. Scripture says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he tells the woman, he says, he says, he who lives in pleasure is dead while they live. You're living just to fulfill your pleasure, just do what you want. The Bible says that God gives, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, those, those, there's a group of people there, he talks to them, he says, you, you, because they loved, right, they loved their, uh, the pleasures of righteousness, they loved sin, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Can you imagine? Right. That they would believe a lie. Says he just let him go. He said, "Okay, that's what you want. You want to just have pleasure in your unrighteousness, pleasure in your sin." But Moses, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter eleven, he says that rather than enjoying sin for a season, he says he chose to go with God and walk with God's people. But here in Ephesians two, he says, "Wherein in time past, not in the present time." Two verse one. Jill, um, I'll tell you what. Where's those Bibles at? Oh, Jill, would you give him one over here? He doesn't have one, so he can turn here and have that. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. says He says, where in time past you walked according to the course of the world. How many of you in, in, in your whole life, in the time past, you walked in the, according to the course of, this, of, of, of the world? We all did, right? According to the prince of the power of the air. Now, what was the prince of the power of the air doing? He was putting th thoughts in your mind and coming out of your heart all over the place. Just listening to all that junk. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. That's the spirit that's working in somebody that's in disobedience. They're just listening to whatever thought comes in their mind. They're just listening to the prince of the air. And those thoughts are coming in, those things are coming in their mind, and they're just fulfilling whatever it says. They're not keeping under their body. They have no interest in keeping under their body. They have no interest telling their body what to do. they just do fulfilling whatever their body wants. They want sex, they go have sex. He says, among whom also we all had our way of living. Conversation means way of living. In time past, in the desires or lust of the flesh, this meat. The let me tell you something. The flesh doesn't have any power. Jesus said in John chapter 6, the flesh counts for nothing. The flesh is only the meat that covers the bone. But the flesh has cravings. And he says they just follow those cravings of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of their flesh and of the mind, whatever come in their mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace he is saved. What a wonderful Savior Amen. to bring us through that. Go back to 2 Corinthians 6. That's good. Put it in yellow. I'm <laughs> brother. <laughs> Amen. That's neon green. That's even better. Neon yellow. <laughs> 
2 Corinthians 6, powerful, powerful scripture. This is so important. We talk about it, but I want, but Cedric asked about it, so I'm going to give it to you here. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? Let's define that and break that down again. What's righteousness? No sins. Huh? No sins. So he's saying have no fellowship with unrighteousness. So if righteousness is have no sin, what is unrighteousness? Okay. So there's no fellowship between righteousness, and no sin, sin and, no, and no sin. You don't fellowship with that. What communion hath light with darkness? Can they meet up together? Can light and darkness dwell together? If you go in a dark room and you turn the light switch on, what happens? Darkness is gone. You don't fellowship with darkness. Darkness is sin. Light is righteousness, is holiness. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. This is a good one here. What, what conquerors Christ with Bilal? What part does a believer have with an unbeliever? I want you to answer that question for me. Um, the only, only fellowship a, a believer would have with an unbeliever is, is to witness and to um, carry the message and preach the gospel. Okay, a lot of people, let, let's go back and let's define what a believer and unbeliever is first, okay? What would be defined as a believer? What is the scripture saying? Give me some definition. Someone who's not sinning. Okay. Give, what, is, what does believe mean, first of all? It means to obey the Lord. Okay. Uh, if you look up the word be, believe in the Greek, what does it say? Fidelity. Fidelity and faithfulness. Fidelity, yes. So he's faithful. He's, he's, he's walking in holiness. So a person that's... that's he believes every word of God. He believes every word of God. And he's not only believing it as in his mind, but he's doing whatever it says. And... Um, John chapter um, 5, is it? 5 verse 29. He said, he that, he, he that believes that Jesus, Son of God, hath life. Then he goes after and he says, he that obeys the Lord has life. Read that for me, uh, um, uh, Cedric, in, in the um, ESV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got to think on your phone, Cedric. Uh, oh, Ben. Uh, I think it's John five twenty nine. Read it for me, Wes. Um, no, no, three. John three. I'm sorry. Three thirty six. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It actually says, "He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that obeyeth." Uh, he that obeys the Son shall, has, has, shall see life. For the wrath of God shall not see life, for, for the wrath of God abides on him. He that obeys not the Son of God has not life, for the wrath of God abides on him. So you see, believe and obey is the same word. In the Greek, it's the same word. Amen. Believe and obey. So what, now when we define believe, then what would mean, uh, uh, what part has a believer, he that believeth, with an infidel, right? That's what your Bible says. What, what, what do you have? What does your Bible say? What's an infidel? We got the same Bible. Though. Okay. Yeah, but some people have different translations. Okay. He that believeth with an infidel. What is an infidel? An unbeliever. 
So if a believer is obeying, then an unbeliever is what? Disobeying, right? So let's be clear. He's asking the question here, what part does a believer have with an unbeliever? We define an unbeliever as someone that still has sin in their life. They have not repented. They have not turned from it. An, unbe an, uh, an unbeliever, uh, a believer is not someone that says, well, I go to church regular. Well, I pay my tithes. Well, I accepted the Lord. All these things, that does not define with what the Bible calls a believer. A believer is one who is walking in obedience, is not sinning. And an unbeliever is a person who's not, who is not walking in, in obedience, but is walking in disobedience. And that's easy to tell because by their fruits, you know them. Amen. See, in order to distinguish, he's telling you that what part does a believer have an unbeliever, like get away from that. You have to be able to, to examine and see if somebody's a believer or an unbeliever. Right. He's just going to say, well, I don't want to judge them, so I'm not going to say if they're a believer or unbeliever. No, he's telling you to. You have to or you won't be able to make the distinguishment. So an unbeliever is somebody that's, not, that's, that's still walking in sin. They have not been uh, regenerated. regenerated. They have not been reborn. The Bible says the person is reborn. Old things are passed away and all things become new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So what, do, what kind of fellowship or what does a believer have with an unbeliever? What, tell me. I'm asking you a question. Huh? What? The only fellowship a believer has with an unbeliever is to carry the gospel and, and, and try to witness to that person. And that's it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that, that's it. Amen. Now, would that... I got a question. Also, also the life of a believer to a non-believer shares that light. And he, uh, that believer needs to have that light in him yeah. where that unbeliever sees that light. Yeah. He needs to be living it. That's right. And he needs to be sharing it. That's right. That's right. But just to hang out, you don't, you don't hang out with unbelievers. Wes, go ahead. Yeah, I think a little a little leaven leavens the whole lump, and I, and you know that's why you know keep yourself pure, keep yourself from idols, remove your foot from evil, flee youthful lust. I mean, you have all these different passages in the Bible that refer to that, and that's what the, the ecclesia are the called out ones, the ones that are supposed to be called out and from amongst you know the world or people that are claiming Christianity, living like the world. Uh, is really the big uh, thing that we're contending against and uh, what the early church contended against. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I think it's a really good passage uh, to show that, you know, because Paul's contending against this same idea, uh, you know, like what I said earlier, by covetousness they will exploit you with empty words. They're trying to bait you by, like, let's say, like, Kenneth Copeland or... All these people from, you know, wherever it is, Houston, Texas, the, the people that have their private Learjets, uh, you know, all the things basically that they can get in this life and then just say, hey, you know what, this is God. We're the head. We're, the, we're not the tail. We're the king's kid. Whatever you want to say, uh, they're just going to label their prosperity and all that they possibly can get in this life and just put, you know, the label of God on it and say that that's what God wants you to have, like Joel Osteen. You know, he writes a book and says, you know, your best life now, 
that's not what the New Testament is all about, but that's what these people are trying to say. But here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you see the same thing. Paul says, oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you, you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you a godly with a godly jealousy. jealousy for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And that's what Don was saying out of, out of Ephesians chapter 5, that he's coming back for a blameless bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Go back to Ephesians 4. That's what the fivefold ministry is supposed to do. It's supposed to, to get you to a place to where you're solid in Christ, to where you're not wavering and tossed and driven to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery and cutting craftiness of these false teachers. That's what we're trying to get people to where they know Christ for themselves. But here it says um, in verse uh, 3, it says, But I fear, lest somehow as, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. See, there's a simplicity, and that's what Don and I think I and anybody else that's preaching the truth is going to show you. It's not complicated. That's right. It's not, it's not hard to see. You don't that's need right. to know Greek and Thank Hebrew that's right. to know that, like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, awake to righteousness and stop sinning. You don't need Greek and Hebrew to understand what cutting out off the evil hand and putting it from you and plucking out the evil eye and casting it from you right. really means. But here... He's saying there's a simplicity that is in Christ, but he, but, he, but he says that he fears lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve that you would be deceived. How was Eve deceived? It was just like, did God really say? Did he really say, you, you know, you're going to die if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It's plain speech. God said if you eat of it, you're going to die. You're, you're going to spiritually die. You're, not, you're, not, you're going to be cut off from the life of God. But here he says in verse 4, For if anyone come preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different uh, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may put up with it. I'm not going to go into the rest of the chapter, but Paul shows clearly in this passage, if somebody reads this, he's going to say, if other ministers come to you, you're going to put up with it. You're going to, if they take your money, you're going to receive it. Why? Because people look up to other people that have things, you know, uh, like movie stars. My dog's going crazy. Like movie stars. <laughs> like anybody in life that look like that they have, like, you know, a great house. Uh, you know, I have it all together. They're going to look at that, and then that's the covetousness. You know that they're going to bait you with and then they're just going to call it god that's what the devil did to eve and you know because the devil obviously said hey if you eat it you're not going to surely die and so that's what obviously mm -hmm. the devil did before he fell but he's he's putting on a front as if you're going to be okay if you sin amen amen uh, and going back to second Corinthians 6 i'm going to finish up there this is this. I want to give to the, get to a really important part here. So we see that there's no fellowship between a believer and unbeliever other than to share the gospel. It's this is not, this is nothing new in the Word of God. 
this was from the time Israel in the Old Testament, the Lord would warn them. When you go into another land, don't get wives from those people. Don't follow them. Don't, don't yoke up with them. Why? Because there would be an influence on them to you. So the Lord wants us to keep, he wanted to keep his people pure. But they, what did they do? They went and did it and ended up following false idols and false God and it, it led them astray. So, 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 so this is what the Lord is, is showing this here. And, and he says, he says in verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them, walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17, can you cut, can you cut them off, Sandra? Okay, thank you. Wherefore, listen to this very important scripture, this verse 17. Wherefore, in conclusion, wherefore means in conclusion of what he said here. He says, come out from among them and be separate. Separate yourself from those people other than to share the gospel with. You don't hang out with them. You don't say, well, I need to hang out with them because I need to show them how I live so they'll come to the Lord. No, that's not what he's saying. You don't hang out. He says, come out from among them and be separate. You separate yourself. Who says this? Is it Don saying that? No, you know what? It says, saith the Lord. That's not me. That's the Lord saying that. And don't touch the unclean thing. Don't touch that sin. Don't, you know, you, talk, you go to Jude and he says, he says, some pull out with compassion. He says, others, he says, snatch them out of the fire, but don't be touched by their, with their evil garments, the scripture says. Scripture says that you see a brother overtaken in a fault, go restore him, but but watch out, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted in that situation. You can't do that. Get away from that. That's why the Bible says flee temptation and worldly lust. He said, but he's saying here, the Lord says, come out from among them and, and, and be separate, says the Lord. Amen. You got to pay attention. It says the Lord. And what did he say? And touch not the unclean thing. And then what will happen? He says, and then I'll receive you. Amen. See the condition? Is he going to receive you before you do that? A lot of people say, well, I need to receive the Lord. No, you need the Lord to receive you. Amen. Some people say, well, I just need to accept the Lord. I'll be fine. No, you need the Lord to accept you. Amen. The Lord's not the problem. You're the problem. You've got to separate yourself from sin and from that unrighteousness. And you've got to be that light shining in the midst of darkness. Yeah, well, you know what you do when you get with your friends? With, with old friends? You preach the gospel. You treat them like they're going to die the next day. Preach it to all your heart. Come here. Come on. I was going to say that this is going to go together really well because all right, we're talking about come out from among them, be ye separate, uh, and then I will receive you. And I've been holding on to this scripture all, all the whole service. Oh, man, it's got, it's got to be hot then, man. It, 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 it is. <laughs> this comes from 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 3, and it says, And every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. So there's some requirements. There's some actions that we have to do. Number one, we've got to separate, come out from among them. That's an action. We get away from it. And we have to purify, meaning that there's some action. You've got to stop some things that you want to hold on to. I talked to a guy yesterday. He said, I just don't know that I'm ready to give that stuff up because it really makes me happy. And I said, it's, that's a mm. lie. That stuff's not making you happy. Amen, you painted this picture 
in your brain that says watching Phil and participate with this and doing this is making me happy. You're not happy. Otherwise, you wouldn't be neat with me. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's really really two great scriptures because it's things we have to do because the world paints the picture that the Lord's going to do everything for you. You just go there, you pay your tithes, and you are good. And that's false. There's things that we have to do. Amen. If we want something different in our lives. Exactly. Amen. You know? The, the scripture says, Ben, that um, the man says in his heart, the Lord delayeth his coming. And he begins to beat his men servants and begins to do those things of sin. And the man that you just talked about, he said, I'm just not ready. So he's thinking he's got time. You see what I'm saying? By him saying it, he's thinking he's got time. And uh, he doesn't have, he doesn't know that he has time. But so he's willing to gamble that he does because he thinks he's going to live to be 70, 80, 90 years old. But you don't have that time. We also got to look at there's really no real true belief. Because if you really truly believe that, that it comes along with belief is fear. And that this is real. This is not a made up thing. That you're, you could be taking a night and spend eternity like that. And that's what we talked about. He said, I, I just don't know if there's a really a true belief. And I said, you're right. There is none. Because you're telling me you want to hold on to that old life. I'm not, I'll give that up, but I just can't give that up. No, it's everything. It's the whole thing. In order to find life, you got to lose your life. That's right. <laughs> Where it's not about you anymore. And I get it. For 40 years, it was all about me. How can I make me happy? It has to be completely everything. Amen. It doesn't work if it's not everything. Amen. It's a requirement. Amen. the deceitfulness of the enemy to uh, make a man think that he's got time and I say it often that if we drew a line across this room 
and said that line from one end of it to the other <coughs> is eternity, which you can't define because it goes longer than that line. But your life compared to eternity, and that line's over there at that wall, and you live 70, 80 years, you still at that wall compared to what eternity is. But here's, here's some real, you know, to be ignorant means you don't know any better. To be stupid is when you know better and you still don't do anything about it. That's the definition. So wouldn't it be stupid to sell all this out of eternity for that little piece over there? A lot of stupid people. Because they don't realize what they're going to get. Look, uh, the Lord says when he left, he, he said this. He says, you believe in God? It's in John 14. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. But he says, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. So the Lord went to prepare a place for us 2,000 years ago. I imagine it's pretty nice. Because he made this, he made all this in six days. And he left 2,000 years ago to prepare a place for us. It's going to be really nice. Hallelujah. He said that place that he's prepared for you, like Jill was saying, He's saying it's, it's, it's going to be a place where, first of all, he's going to wipe away all your tears. God's going to wipe away all your tears. No more sorrow there. You'll never be depressed. You'll never be sorrow. You'll never have sorrow anymore. Then he says after that, he says, there'll be no more pain. No more joint pain. No more knees hurting Sister Linda. No more pain. So there's no more pain there. And then he says there'll be no more death. There's nobody dying. You'll live forever, for all of eternity, and never die. He said, this is the place I've gone and prepared for you, where, where the, the, the Son, the Son of God, will be the light. There'll be no reason to have a Son. And we'll, we'll, we'll be able to fly. We'll be able to, you'll feel so light on your feet. You'll have a new body. This is what the glorious things the Lord has. Amen. You know, in my heart, I, I love the Lord, and in um, love, I'll be with you in a minute, Eric. I, I love the Lord, and, I, and I, I believe that many of you love the Lord. And, and the love of the Lord is something that it's not only passion, it's not only feeling, but I love the Lord, and it causes me to do something, as the Bible says. It says all the law is fulfilled in to love the Lord. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws fulfilled in it. Well, you say, well, how's that? Because when you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, you love his commandments. He said, all, all that's in the law, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. All this is the, is the fulfillment of the law because there's no way you do that when you love the Lord. When you love the Lord, David said, man, I love the commandments of God and I hang them around my neck. The commandments and statutes of the Lord. I love doing what God says to do. Because there's blessing in that for me. This is not written to hurt you or, or cause you to not have fun or cause you not to enjoy life. This is written so that you'll follow these things to be able to have joy and have life and have it more abundantly. The Bible says in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life. And to give it to you more abundantly. Why, would, why do you want to trade that out for this? 
to satisfy this for such a short time. That's why I feel like sometimes I just yearn inside, I groan inside, because I want to be able to convince, in the Spirit, convince people, maybe before it's too late. You know, when, when, they, when they go before judgment, I don't want it to be too late for you. Today's the day of salvation today. Said now's the acceptable time. Amen. What do I need to say? What more can I plead? What more can I more, how much more can I warn you? This is coming. You know, it'd be horrible to think somebody's in judgment and they they in judgment there and 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 they and they go into hell and they look up at you, at you, at you and say, "Man, why didn't you tell me? Why why didn't you tell me?" I want to be able to say, man, I, they want to look at me and say, man, I know you told me, but I thought I had time. I said, man, I told you you didn't have time. I know you told me. It's, it's on me. But what if, what if you didn't tell him? What if I didn't tell you? I want you to look at me when we get into eternity and we pour judgment. Hey, Brother Tom, how you doing, man? Thank you for telling me, man. I made it. Look at this. I'm going to live for eternity. I did it. I didn't wait. God has a call on you. You know what? God's got a call on every one of your lives. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. He's drawing every one of you. Hallelujah. It's you that makes the make decision. Don't wait on God to call because God's called you. You need to make the decision. Yes, Lord. No more of this world. No more living for this. Yeah, we messed up. Sure we did. But you know what? He'll forgive you and he'll wash all your sins away as though you never committed them. Call him Peter Righteousness. And then you walk in him in holiness and righteousness all the days of your life, just like Zechariah prophesied. Amen. And do, do the will of God. And have abundant life. Live it in him. Don't wait. I plead. I plead with my children. I plead with you. I plead with all my family. I plead with the world. I tell people all the time, man, before it's too late, get it right. You know what that is? When to get it right? Right now. Because we know it's not too late right now. Right. Get it right right now. Yes, you can't fool God. You. you may be able to pull the wall out, out of somebody else's eyes that's standing next to you, sitting next to you, maybe in the house, whatever. But God knows and you know. Thank you, Jesus. Get it right. Brother Eric. Thank you, Don. Thank you, brother. You made me forget what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, Eric. <laughs> I know it was good, Eric. <laughs> I wanted to address, I think, the, uh, the man, the young man that uh, Ben is witnessing to, because I know we've all been there when we thought we had happiness. And what I, I think of when I was a child and how happy I was as a child Maybe when, you know, I rode my first bike or just little things, godly things, acceptable things as a child. I never thought I could be any happier. And the, the happiness was only replaced by something else as I went on in my life. Unfortunately, it was drugs or alcohol or things that ended up going wrong you know, as we've experienced, but, uh, uh, you, you, you know, so happiness can be gained. I, I guess I want that person, because we've all realized, gone through that regeneration, that the happiness that God is, is promising us 
is a million times better than what you ever thought happiness was. Amen. And it's, and it's worth this short time in life to work for that and to realize it. Because you just think of when you were a child, you were just as happy as you are now, wherein you're in that in drug state or, or you know alcoholic state. So 